Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. I am so excited today. One, because I don't get to do as many in person. I'm trying to change that, Miss Scales, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I am uh, grateful because, uh, give credit where credit's due, Tom Vander Ark, in his infinite wisdom, said, hey, if you're going to be in Indianapolis, there's a guy I want you to talk to. And I'm so glad he did that because I am now with Catherine Scales. She is with One Stone, and uh, we're going to get into that. She officially is in charge of strategy and development at One Stone. Um, but in our talks, I've been pretty enamored by what One Stone is doing, so we're, we're going to lead right into that. Caitlin, thank you for being on. Uh, tell us a little bit about One Stone, the whole origin story. The origin story. Um, so One Stone is a really amazing place in Boise, Idaho, and it uh, started in 2008 as an after-school opportunity for students who were looking to have more meaningful experiences in, um, in their communities. And so co-founders Teresa and Joel Poppin um, worked with a group of high school students who were really interested in discovering what their passions are. Teresa always says, find something in the world that breaks your heart and go do something about it. And their goal founding One Stone was to help students be equipped to do just that. Um, so the after school program that first started um, was Project Good is what it's now called. Experiential service opportunity for youth um, that are high school aged all over the greater Boise area. And through those experiences, what the students were doing were being given opportunities to have equal voice and an equal opportunity with their adult peers and mentors in the community to really create solutions and ideas around around how to help the community. And so through Project Good, um, students were having really meaningful experiences. Um, they were able to engage with community partners and businesses and nonprofits and understand the needs around their area. And many of them had longer term relationships with organizations where they wanted to do more. And so they were interested in how to help with branding or web development or getting the word out there about what's happening in their community. And they started what's called Two Birds, which is an in-house student-led and designed um, creative studio. And through Two Birds, students realized, hey, we just started a venture. Um, that was really exciting. Yeah, talk, talk to me about that natural process, though, on the, like, you guys went from project good like how did that it seemed like this organically happen mm -hmm. when did you or when did the students go like wait we're onto something and now we need to take it to that next level was there like a particular project that made them really realize that what was it yeah i think i'm sure that there were several projects that made them realize that and then a group of students who were really interested specifically and i like doing these things with and for people i also like thinking about the other parts of how these things work. And so I think that particular catalyzing moment of students realizing my passion may not be always being in the position of working with the end user. It may be in helping develop and be creative around it. Um, and so I think that was part of it. I think when you come out, when, not if, you come out to Boise, talking to some students that were part of those founding teams would be a really awesome opportunity to hear some of those stories. You don't need to invite me twice. Because, <laughs> I, I, no, it's one thing's like, I, just telling you, we went out to Don Tyson School of Innovation in Arkansas, mm -hmm. and actually a lot of other schools in Springdale, and seeing it is believing it. And that's the thing that gets us excited. And, of course, this is when people, like, log off if you're from San Francisco or New York or, <laughs> or Austin. I like, I like it when it's in places you don't necessarily think of. And, like, no offense, like, Boise, Indianapolis, 
Springdale, Arkansas. I love this for that for that yeah. reason. But I also see that there's a willingness to make quicker pivots in places that you you don't see. Mm-hmm. So Project Good goes well. All of a sudden, two birds design. And talk to me a little bit more about them. Like, what did they do, and and um, how much responsibility do they take? Yeah. So another important thing to add before explaining the answer to that question is is how students are engaged at One Stone. So when the nonprofit was founded. Um, the mission is making students better leaders and the world a better place. And the vision is forging an army of good for good. And so when the organization was founded, this idea of equality of voice for high school age students with their community was really critical to the point that the bylaws of the nonprofit state that at least two thirds board majority has to be high school students at any given time. So the students run the nonprofit <laughs> and are helping it grow <coughs> and are, provi- are being provided these opportunities at no cost, no membership dues or fees or tuition to participate. And so mm. it, to answer your question, their engagement and how much control they have over it is infinite. Um, and the students that are primarily engaged in and starting two birds and who are continuing to work with it today, there's management positions are student led, student driven. Um, the manager of two birds is a high school student. We have a creative director who supports them. Um, wow. But I mean, it's really working peer to peer. We talk a lot with our with our learners at One Stone about all the staff in the building are called coaches. All high school age students that are there have equality of voice, and we work elbow to elbow every day with them. It's not there's not a strong sense of a hierarchy um, between the two. I am blown away with the level of, in some cases, trust. Mm-hmm. Two thirds majority of the years that that's insane. Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, like the, the inner teacher in me is like, are you serious? Like, yeah, at the same time. You, you guys gave it a shot and it worked out. I'm sure there's some bumps along the road. Cause like, like I could spend a podcast on how you guys vetted that position <laughs> or those three positions each year. That's amazing. Um, but the student agency and, and them running it is, is just next level crazy and awesome. Yeah. Although I, I, as a follow up question, like how many hours a week is that encompassing from them? Like, give me an idea. Like the director of two birds, you said is still a high school student. Mm-hmm. That's an, that's crazy yeah. and a lovely crazy. <laughs> what, what kind of time commitment is that? I think it depends on the season. So at the season as in like a business cycle. So uh, Two Birds takes on clients from all over the country. And so if you're out there listening and interested in working with a student-led design creative studio, Two Birds is open. Um, and so they're, depending on their workload, I think is part of it. They're primarily, Two Birds happens after school, but for students that are part of what we now have as a high school program, that can also be incorporated in their day as part of like a personalized pathway. Um, and so I think it varies. It probably equates to a, a lightweight part-time job, but the hands on deck are different. You know, you have students that are taking on as a team, the same way a design firm would, a project and they're they are delegating and communicating with the client about what they need what they're comfortable with what their timeline needs to look like and basing it off of that so if they if a group of students knows they're going to be really busy this term with other things um, they may talk to their client and say you know we have you want this done in eight weeks we can make that happen for you or um, and that may be the only project they take on because it's what they know that they can do well or they may have room to take on two clients or three clients and or more. And so I think it just depends the same way it would with a business. Wow. Um, okay, so let's go now. So project good, mm-hmm. step one. Step two, all of a sudden, two birds design. Mm-hmm. 
Talk to me about Solution Lab. Yeah, so students, um, what OneStone really realized they were doing from their inception point to now was using human-centered solution methodology called design thinking. And so really founding the method by which learning is occurring in the design thinking process, um, students were starting to think that way. And so as they came in to do Project Good, they were thinking about, okay, my end user is a person who's, who's experiencing homelessness. I need to build my empathy and understanding of that. I need to iterate and ideate and prototype and test and go back and have this very fluid experience of failing forward and and embracing ambiguity and building all of these skill sets around that process. And so when Two Birds happened, I think that was a, another amplification of that process working in the one stone way. Um, and when Solution Lab became an idea, it was really taking the interest of students asking, hey, we've, we're, we're working in a venture that we lead. We're helping run a nonprofit. We are, we believe in the power of students. We believe in what we're doing we want to understand social entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship in general more. We see that the future of work is not what my parents are doing. I'm not going to know how to retire the same way my parents can teach me how to retire because it's not going to look the same. Um, I want to pursue my passions and the workforce that I'm looking at if I'm doing healthcare, for example, if I'm interested in becoming a nurse, what healthcare looks like in their lifetime, in their teenage years, has shifted dramatically yeah. um, and, and will continue to innovate. And that's an industry that just like education is incredibly, it's, you know, it's systemic, right? It's, um, so to think about innovation happening in even our most entrenched bureaucratic systems all across the country and students realizing that and seeing that, that passion to purpose becomes something different and their need to learn a toolkit for life looks different than what they think they can learn elsewhere. And so Solution Lab was an opportunity for students to bring any, any idea they have for a venture or business opportunity to the table and learn what it takes, like really go through intense entrepreneurship classes, have, we have a, thankfully a really robust network of community organizers and people who have started their own ventures, connections in, because we're out in the greater West, connections in bigger cities and in the um, Bay Area and whatnot that are able to mentor students and share with them what it really takes to start and that it's okay to fail. Yeah. And when you do, you learn. And like we've had that experience of even just connecting with people that are living a future that students believe is what the future that they will be creating looks like. Um, it's really powerful. And so Solution Lab was born and it's an incubation uh, program for students all over the greater Boise area to come in with an idea and start with it and see what happens. And so, yeah. Sometimes people... <laughs> It sounds so simplistic, but opening up their idea and, and mindset to this is 90% of the battle. Mm -hmm. um, because like we've talked to people that are almost like using this as a talent pipeline. Mm -hmm. Like there's vertical development, there's horizontal development. Horizontal development can be anything from app design to, but that vertical development of at least the design thinking and having the conversations of being able to adapt that the world is changing. Like, that's at the forefront. Like I, even if more schools had to say, let's just start spending 30 minutes a week mm -hmm. discussing what the future looks like. Right. Because a lot of times, and, and this is where I, I like, it always sounds kind of silly, but I always believe in it. We create seekers and peakers, not moaners and groaners. Mm -hmm. Having kids opportunity seek, scan the globe. What's out there? Mm -hmm. What's trending? Mm -hmm. What's going to, what's going to be exciting in your world? And then 
when you get four or five kids together, they peek around the corner. Mm -hmm. They all can peek around the corner because like what your skill set is not my skill set, but we start comparing it. And that's the thing that I get excited about when I hear like the solution center and a design firm Mm -hmm. is that even though this may not be a 40 hour a job week, they are five years ahead Mm -hmm. of other college students in a lot of cases. Like they have been there. They have done that. They've had the conversations of, what innovative companies are a looking for mm-hmm. and B just mentally being prepared for what's out there. I just, I love that. <laughs> so, so when I heard that you guys were doing that, that's when I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, so, so, so cool. And, and I'm sure there's been some bumps along the road. Oh, and I'm yeah. sure that, I mean, uh, like every now and then some people like try to look under the hood of what we've done and like, Hey, I saw some of your kids didn't hardly do anything. That's right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they were still 17. Yeah. And, and, that's and, okay. and that's okay. And, yeah. and just because I've also had those same 17 year olds come back five years later and go, yeah. you know what? I'm onto something now. And I remember when we started to that foundation kind of yeah. thing starts kicking in. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of, I don't know. There's a lot of science behind that. You know, when you go into the workforce, we aren't the expectations that are put on us as employees or mm-hmm. as owners or whatever your role is. Um, it's, it feels more human, right? You're able to fail and be like, hey, boss, I really, I really botched this, but I'm working on it and I have a plan B and I know how to navigate that and I know that we have a team here and you, you're, you're given space to really work through real-time problems at a certain pace. In K-12 education, traditionally, you are taught to hit a bar, right? There's some level by which you need to meet. And so I think what students are learning at One Stone and in other places that are amazing out there in the world doing work like One Stone is, is being able to grapple with who they are and what it means to, to be quote-unquote successful um, without the binary of you're good or you're bad or you're right or you're wrong. And instead with the human centered aspect of mm-hmm. we're all learning and growing and doing and if you think about your life as constantly being in beta and we help you find purpose to who you are as a person it's no longer about putting you in a box to be successful with arbitrary gates of success along the way like graduation yes. or college you can't do these things until someday someday is now and why aren't we helping them feel that and understand that they're Students should have the ability to learn who they are before they're continue to be voluntold who they are along the way. And so it's interesting. It's a it's it's powerful and you're doing you're seeing that with students. You know, people all over the country are trying to do this work and it can happen in any setting. It doesn't have to be some really cool innovation incubator in Boise, Idaho, you know, that it doesn't have to be there. But what we're doing can transcend, you know. Absolutely. I, 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 you made me want to jump over the table and high five you because no, I mean, because like in some cases, just that those opportunities mm-hmm. at minimum, one of the, one of the, this is going to sound negative, but it's not one of the things that I liked about what you guys are doing. And even with my, my innovation class was that I had kids that were like, I was, I thought I was really into this. This straight up sucks. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to major in this in yeah. college. Yeah. It's not what I truly love. Like in my heart, I'm like, I just saved you $25,000 or more or more yeah. and, or a lifetime of like, um, oh, I got the golden handcuffs. I'm going to do right. it even though I freaking hate it, but it pays well. Yeah. Um, those experiences were so wonderful. And the fact that you guys are giving them those experiences to also experience, I hate this. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It's so cool. Right. Well, and we, when you and I talked, uh, at the end of last week when we met, um, 
we mentioned Simon Sinek and the a big focus of what we do from the first time students start engaging with us at the high school program onward is exploring their why statement. So students are developing their personal why. Coaches in the building do this too. And by wayfinding that way and thinking about the world as a golden circle, you're able to look at these things and say, it's okay that I don't love this. But, and I think what's great too, now that this is real time me realizing this, that students, if they're not, if they love and care for something and they want to do it and they have a passion for it, but it doesn't feel like their career path, they're learning skills to manage being a citizen of the world and getting a job, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they've had these experiences and they've tried it on for size and I think it's really important. So I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about, because I know what number four is on the yeah. list. Um, so I'm assuming, and if I can, like, I probably should just let you serve it up, but like through all these experiences and like the success of the first project, the two birds, now the Solution Center, then I'm assuming now people are like, we should just start a school. Mm -hmm. Was that kind of the thought process? Yeah. So um, just when students were experiencing these things in an after-school setting, they kept asking, like, I learn more here than I learn anywhere else. Yep. And, you know, Teresa and Joel Pop and the co-founders were flattered and excited by that. And, you know, the board of directors were pushing for something next. Like, what, how can we, how might we really engage students full time? And what could that look like and at what cost? And um, maybe we should start a school. And I think everybody... Uh, that's just a crazy idea. For any of you that have started a school, it's an intense process and it takes a lot of time and it's, um, it's interesting. Uh, and so what they, what they did was in true one stone fashion, stuck with the design thinking methodology and, uh, got funded for a 24 hour think challenge, which sadly I did, I was not with the organization at the time a few years ago when this happened and I didn't get to witness it firsthand, but there's a lot of video on our website about it, gathering a few hundred people from across the area um, putting them in a place together for 24 hours where they could grapple with the question, how might we rethink education for the 21st century? And in that process, 24 hours of students leading groups of adults and high school-aged kids through the process of design thinking to quickly get to solutions that might be an option to answer that question. And of those options, what they saw was none of them look anything like school what the 21st century and the future of work and all of the research that's being done right now needs is something different. And so um, from that, One Stone opened a high school program. Um, and it looks nothing like school. And it does not have grades. And it's a, I would say, my, so my background is in K-12 education. And I was an English teacher, ELL teacher, have a doctorate, like have done all of the work in education and so to for me to grapple with the fact that there's no grades it's beyond competency based um, we are doing research and design around what we have uh, prototyped as the growth transcript um, where students are getting into college our first graduating class was last was this past spring um, students are getting into colleges of their choice with merit funding and no GPA and what might that look like if everybody had the opportunity to learn and grow in areas beyond knowledge and basic skills? Um, and I think there's a lot of traditional classrooms out there that are, that are trying to do this type of work and for us to be able to 
bring some things to life that can be shared and scaled to help people get there is pretty awesome to think about. Yeah. So I'm going to talk, like, I'm just going to go where a lot of times people immediately think, well, it must be nice and it's easy for you because, and, 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 I, and I'll say this, the starting a culture from scratch mm-hmm. is so much easier for the students to buy into something totally new, like mm-hmm. gradeless, mm-hmm. because when you're, I don't know, like, like when sometimes you're in your old familiar setting, you want the old familiar. Mm-hmm. And so that's the one thing I like about new schools popping up. Now I understand the other side of it, public school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that culture right out of the bat, bat is <laughs> right off the bat is like, Hey, we're going to learn for the sake of learning. This is going to be a fun journey that, pressure of grades is off and obviously you get the confirmation bias the parents that sign up for it are like okay we're down that's the only thing that's so hard mm-hmm. about wanting to convince school leaders to do that at the traditional schools because like we've never done it that way right this is a tradition or the parents freaking out and i understand like i always have empathy because like some parents that always thought that i was bad crazy mm-hmm. is because like it worked for them in 1995 right and you know, let's not rock the boat. And and there's also that early adopter, you know, failure thing where like I've met some kids that took some huge risk and it didn't work out for them. They're right. like, see, if they just would have studied at famous university and gotten a degree in anything, everything would have worked out just fine. Right. I, I do understand that. But the 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 hard part is, is like I'm wanting more schools to take a look at what like One Stone's doing, mm-hmm. but the, but in some ways they have to invent their own school. Mm-hmm. They have to small batch it. Like, yeah. that's just, you know, it's just really frustrating because, yeah, you can't march into a school right now and say, hey, we're going to go gradeless. We're going to start doing some really fun, odd experiments mm-hmm. and then the place not completely go crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, it, while you're saying that, I totally, A, I totally agree. B, um, we, we feel compelled to continue to bring what we're doing out into the world in a lot Absolutely. of different ways and... Um, part of that is engaging with traditional schools through conversations or work that, or anything that. and, and helping reveal things right. like that, right. that you're describing. And no, then, but what I yeah. love is, is that that's also creating ambassadors. Yeah. So like, again, I'm not trying to like just pander to you guys cause I really dig what you guys do, but like Thank the you. fact that you guys are not just a school, yeah. you guys started off as events and, and programs mm-hmm. that other kids from other schools, because you're right. That's, that's the Trojan horse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that's similar Forging to what we're trying to do is too, is like, you know, get kids that weren't just in the Noblesville innovation class, right. get them from different areas because when the principal or the parents start hearing what's going on, they feel a little bit more compelled and they, now maybe we should start small batching this at our school. Mm-hmm. And I would say too, like part of the most amazing thing in, in being at one stone is seeing like when you believe in the power of students and you believe and trust and you're willing to trust that process, they have the best ideas. You know, we, we as adults are facilitating opportunities and we're able to use our connections and our life experience to amplify theirs, but they're amplifying ours too. And that's an experience in learning that I hope more people, regardless of the system that you're choosing to be in to learn, are able to experience together because that's what changes the world. Um, and I don't mean that in a rainbows and butterflies kind of way, because there's plenty of plenty of hardship and struggles involved in that. But I, 
it has huge power. So when you believe in it and you believe in the youth, I guess is what people are saying these days, um, really big things can happen. And we don't know what the future is going to look like. I think that honestly, our kids want the struggle Mm -hmm. and the hardship and the, well, and I I, I take that back. They don't want it until they realize and experience it. And then they go, wait, that was kind of awesome. I, I, I think that we have such a sterile, we, we have so many things that are so predictable and sterile mm-hmm. that, that I sometimes think that's the missing component. Yeah. Like, you know, we're going to have a design challenge. We're going to help real people solve real things. Oh, this could get messy. Yep. Yeah. What if there's no right answers? That's the right answer. Yeah. Like in there some Yoda. <laughs> right, right, right. Like letting them into that, there is the correct answer isn't going to be seven or C yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Wrestle with that. I just, I dig that. We have, um, I remember that made me remember some conversations I had with our recent graduates who, um, you know, when people ask them all the time, like, does this stress you out? Is this so stressful compared to traditional school, like, or more conventional classroom setting? And they're like, no, like, they're like, I'm probably just as stressed, if not more in general as a person. But the reason I'm stressed is in my control. And what I care about and what I'm doing every day is based on my personal why statement. It's based on what I want to give to the world. It's bigger than me. And when they can understand that and articulate that at 15, 16, 17 years old, that's pretty incredible. They're not waiting for someday. You know, they're doing it right now. And they're able to say why. And the, and the same way we feel stress around our jobs, like, it has purpose. They feel like they have purpose because they do. And they're, they're doing work alongside adults and we're there to mentor them. And I think, um, part of, part of the experience that students that are in organizations like One Stone, part of what they're able to take away from it, they're hungry for the, for the mentorship to navigate the struggle. They're not looking to be told that one way is the right way. They're looking to have somebody say, tell me more about that and dig deeper and be able to understand what what that student or that learner or that kid or that youth is really looking for in themselves. And, you know, that's our role. And that's learning. That's not right. graded compliance. Right. And that's what, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what I love. I mean, I always tell people I did not go to college to learn. I went to college to get a degree. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that learning, but again, that goes back to the what's valued and, and, I understand why parents are like, I just want my son or daughter to have a good GPA. And I'm like, I want them to get experiences. Experience doesn't equate to a college transcript. My son's going to get into that famous college. My daughter's going to go to this university. Make an argument, though, because, like, your high school went gradeless. Mm -hmm. How'd that work out? Were colleges just flabbergasted, or were they completely put off? I think this this past year, uh, several of our coaches worked their tails off with students to help them advocate for themselves with the universities as they as they applied and to really understand the growth transcript they had created to communicate with admissions offices at all different types of colleges and universities and the the work that that took really opened our eyes on one stone side of it as to, to be very pleasantly surprised that when people get it at the admissions office and they understand what they're looking at, it's transformative to the way that they think about their future students and their future customers, you know? Like, we're in, we're in a, 
an era of kids putting their classes into shopping carts at universities. And so why shouldn't the end user have an equal voice around the experience that they're about to engage in and pay for? And so I think that's part of, that's part of my personal philosophy around it. But the, but the growth transcript and working with colleges, I don't know that they were necessarily flabbergasted. In some cases it almost felt like they were thankful and like relieved, like a, an Arizona State University who's like grounded and founded right now in massive change and innovation, um, their system doesn't look anything like a traditional four-year college anymore, and that's incredible work that they've put into that. So to get a kid that has a growth transcript and experience like One Stone, that that is a great fit. There's a lot of synergy there in what those two groups of people, the institution and the student, could do together. Same thing with Northeastern. Um, a lot of a lot of different universities are looking for a student like One Stone. So I don't think I think yeah. we were pleasantly surprised, and yeah. also know that there is a lot of work to do. Um, and it gives us, you know, if we think we're constantly living in beta, it gives One Stone a great opportunity to continue to engage in beyond K twelve. You know, our students don't identify as freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. They identify as a year level or a person, and they fluidly go through coursework. Um, colleges have you do that anyway but within a structure and so the structure is important but what might that look like if if that innovated too and so you know there's a lot of places the world could go when we start to think about learning as learning and not as the system of school (sighs) (laughs) I love that um no that's that's a great note to end on I I um a I'm glad Tom uh put us together but um so like i'm hoping there's a lot of people now listening to this with a lot of questions in their head and this is the part of the podcast like hey tell where to find you at but um some great places for them to start would be great places to start would be visit our website onestone.org um another opportunity would be to just reach out to me directly we have a documentary that um tells the story of one stone in its second year of operation Um, But it's focused, it's a great example to see things in action, but it's a better example of believing in the power of students. And so we are taking that that documentary on the road. If anybody is interested in looking in that or bringing it to Community for a Conversation, um, follow us on Instagram at One Stone Idaho. Um, But yeah, more so than anything, feel free to reach out to me, C-A-I-T-L-Y-N at onestone.org. Would love to engage in a conversation and help think about ways to bring learning and learner-centered education to the forefront. That's amazing. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your passion. Uh, love hearing what you guys are doing. And hopefully, we'll, you know, we'll spread this out as much as we can and, and uh, seeing what other places can do to replicate. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me.